Hi, listeners, and welcome to the True Crime Weekly Podcast, a podcast that is based in San Diego and hosted by me, Alina Trujillo, and my producer, Jose Fernandez. This is a podcast where I will be bringing you stories of murders, infamous cases, and unsolved mysteries. In May of 1996, a young couple walked into the woods and never came out alive. Their double murder sparked shock and fear within the Shenandoah National Park, where they were murdered at their backcountry campsite and far beyond, prompting a nationwide search for their killer. This is the story of the murder of Julie Williams and Laura Winans. Okay, so before we get into what happened, let me tell you a little a little bit of a background as to who Julie Williams and who Laura Winans was. Now, Laura went by the nickname of Lolly. Lolly was from a wealthy family from Michigan, but even though she came from a wealthy family, Friends actually described her personality as down to earth, and she actually rejected that privileged lifestyle that she had due to her family's wealth. Now, after she graduated from high school, Lolly actually dropped out of college. And in 1994, she moved to Maine and attended Unity College. Now, during this time, Lolly worked as a wilderness guide, and Julianne, who actually called herself Julie, loved sports and geology. Now, Julie was passionate about helping her community, and along with her helping her community, she actually won the Minnesota State Double Tennis Championship in high school. And wow, that's she, really cool. Yeah, and she ended up traveling to Europe in college to study the extinction of dinosaurs, which I thought was really interesting. That's really cool. Isn't I, it? Isn't that crazy? Like, you kind of think like that's almost like a like a weird kid dream Mm -hmm. you know at least it was to me but i didn't think it was like a a realistic thing Mm -hmm. so when i hear people actually doing something like that it just seems super cool it's true julie also graduated summa cum laude and she spoke fluent spanish now she worked at a burlington vermont bookstore and was about to begin a new job in lake champlain vermont on june 1st 1996 okay so now Julie and Lolly met at a charity event in 1994 called Woods Women in Minnesota. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, so let me tell you a little bit about this nonprofit. So, Woods Women Incorporated was a nonprofit organization focusing on education and adventure. Travel run by women for women out of Minneapolis from 1977 to 1999. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, so the nonprofit organization was referred to as the grandmother of women's outdoor adventure groups. And it was one of the first adventure travel companies serving exclusively women and served more than 8,000 women and 1,200 children during its existence. That's a lot of people. Yeah. That's really cool. So they were they were a big deal. Now, yeah, definitely. Their stripe line was Adventure is the Best Souvenir. Now, because of this, Julie and Lolly developed a relationship despite their very different backgrounds. Yeah, no kidding. They're totally different places, too. So it's, that's right. really cool that they were able to get together like that. Yeah. So they both shared the same passion for hiking and spending time in the outdoors, which is what led them to have a relationship with each other. Now, on Sunday, May 19th, 1996, Julie, who was 24 years old, and Lolly, who was 26 years old, set out with their Golden Retriever Taj to hike through the Shenandoah National Park in Virginia. Now, after a day of walking, Julie and Lolly set up their tent off one of the Shenandoah National Park's horse trails and settled down for the night. 
Now, they chose a peaceful spot next to a mountain stream near the Bridal Trail, which is a part of the horse trail system that runs from Big Meadows to Skyland. Okay. It sounds really nice. Yeah, especially with, you know, the water stream and yeah, stuff. It, it sounds, sounds very peaceful. Right. So, let me tell you a little bit about this park because this is actually a pretty big park, okay? Mm -hmm. So, the park was founded on December 26, 1935, and it stretches more than 100 miles along the Blue Ridge Mountains. It's located approximately 75 miles from Washington, D.C., and it covers an area of 197,411,000 acres, and it includes mountain streams, more than 500 miles of hiking trails, and nearly 80,000 acres of designated wilderness. Okay? That's incredible. It sounds yeah. enormous. Mm -hmm. wow. It is. Now, one of the park's most famous feature is the Skyline Drive. It has 105 miles of scenic overlooks, trailheads, picnic areas, and campgrounds between Front Royal and Rockfish Gap. Another way to cross the length of Shenandoah is by hiking the hundreds or so miles of the Appalachian Trail that run across the park. Yeah, hundreds of miles of hiking. That yeah. sounds insane to me. Doesn't it? I know that does not sound like something I would enjoy at all. I mean, how about like 3.2 or something? <laughs> how about 0. 0.5? <laughs> that sounds crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds beautiful, right? So the day that Julie and Lolly decided to go hiking was the weekend after Memorial Day. So the area was actually really busy with hikers and sightseers, which means someone had to have seen them or even heard what happened to them yeah absolutely i would think so plus they have their dog too right so right. i think they'd be pretty noticeable right but no one did instead on may 31st the authorities were notified by thomas williams julie's father that the women were missing and park rangers set out to look for them and i will tell you what happened during the search for julie and lolly after this commercial break That was fantastic, Jose. You want to know what I just did? What'd you do? I just tried. I opened up, and you don't get any. I opened up the new wine that I received from Wine of the Month Club. So do you, Jose, want to treat yourself or someone special to great wines month after month? I would love to. Well, now you can with Wine of the Month Club. With Wine of the Month Club, you get three different bottles of rare international wine every month. You get to choose from all red, all white, or mixed. You can also choose to do a package every two months or three months if that's a better option for you. And every package ships with their monthly newsletter covering your selections and our listener favorites. Fun facts! We are a proud affiliate, which means if you go to truecrimeweeklypodcast.com, forward slash support the show and click on the wine of the club month link and sign up we will earn a commission you can support the show and get wine delivered to your door by using promo code holiday 15 to get 15 dollars off any four month club or you can use promo code holiday 20 for 20 dollars off any six months club which sounds like a win-win to me you get to stay home during this covid19 pandemic quarantine by yourself and your wines. And they ship free. What? Hey, Jose. 
So you know that during this pandemic, it could even be scary to go to the grocery store sometimes? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you can save yourself that trip using Instacart. Instacart delivers groceries in as fast as one hour. Instacart highlights deals to help you save money. They find everything you usually buy. You can get smart suggestions for new items. They even pick the freshest produce and they keep your eggs safe too. We are a proud affiliate of Instacart. So head over to truecrimeweeklypodcast.com forward slash support the show and click their link. The first thing that searchers found was their car, which was parked near Skyland Lodge. So right away, the searchers began to search the nearby trails, right? Now, park rangers quickly found the couple's dog, Taj, walking around without a leash, but there was no sign of the two women. That's really tough. And you gotta imagine, this place is huge. So, like, where do you even start? Exactly. I mean, luckily, you know, if the dog is nearby, you'd think that they would be nearby, too. Exactly. But it seems like it's a huge place, right? Now, on June 1st, 1996, searchers came across a camp about half a mile from the vehicle with the bodies of Julie and Lolly. Now, National Park Service lead investigator Tim Alley said that Lolly was found inside the tent. Really? And just like Julie, she had been gagged. Her hands had been bound with duct tape. Duct tape that oddly had first been used to tape Julie's mouth. And her throat had been slit. Oh, that's horrible. It is. But now, unlike Julie, her ankles were also bound. Now, both were partially undressed. But get this, neither women had been sexually assaulted, or at least no semen was found. What's the motive here? Like, that's just awful. Right? Now, Julie's body, along with her sleeping bag and sleeping pad, was approximately 30 to 40 feet away down a little embankment. Now, Hmm. the bodies were undiscovered in such a popular part of the park, and it on a busy holiday weekend because one of the regulations at the time was that backpackers had to camp away from designated trails, fire roads, and developed areas. Mm, Okay, that makes sense. So because of this reason, it wasn't a heavily used or heavily traveled trail. Mm -hmm. They were following the backcountry regulations at the time, which required them to be out of sight. Now, a camera was discovered at the camp with photos of their hike along the White Oak Canyon Trail. Now, they also climbed Hawksbill, the highest mountain in Shenandoah, just before they pitched camp for the last time a few days after they entered the park. So they are gathering this information again based on the camera. Yeah, based on the pictures they had. Wow. Mm -hmm. Now, the park service waited 36 hours after the discovery to announce the murders, even though the park was full of visitors who obviously one could have been at risk, but two, if they would have announced it sooner, maybe somebody could have seen something, right? Right. That's why do they wait so long? And I'm sure you don't know, (laughs) but I mean, that's really bad. That's true. One, you had people at risk, Mm -hmm. a lot of people at risk. Yeah. And yeah, what about witnesses? Exactly. Now, when the announcement was finally made, Acting Park Superintendent Greg Stiles called an isolated incident without providing any basis for such statements. So that's why there was no statement that was released. So he said it's an isolated incident. That's what so, he believes, so no big deal. Exactly. You're kidding. Two people are dead. Mm-hmm. And grizzly-like. I mean, one of them had a slit throat. That's oh, that's horrible. 
Now, the FBI announced shortly afterwards that the murders appeared to be random because so many people visited the park in 1996. And get this, it was recorded that approximately 1.57 million people visited the park in 1996. Okay, wow. so it would be hard to solve the crime, right? With yeah, that many people. It's, it's a lot of folks coming in and out, right? Mm-hmm. Now, Shenandoah National Park is an exclusive federal jurisdiction, which means that only the federal government has law enforcement authority. Hmm, interesting. Mm-hmm. I know, I found that very interesting. The FBI staff was involved in the initial crime scene security, right? But they actually had special agents that are part of the National Park Service handling the investigation in in conjunction with the FBI. Okay. Now, the FBI also worked with the Virginia State Police Crime Scene Unit to have them come and process the crime scene along with the FBI because at the time, the FBI didn't have the equipment to do so. Really? That mm-hmm. seems kind of odd, doesn't it? Maybe I guess that, that local location maybe right i i found that very interesting when i read that yeah i think of like fbi they're gonna have everything and everything right right? but now on july 9th 1997 yvonne melbasha was a, a tourist from canada and she was cycling south on the skyline drive and was on mountains road she was admiring the blue ridge views and she had become separated from her friend But there appeared to be no reason for concern. She's just cycling around this gorgeous park. But the park seemed like an ideal spot for a bicycling vacation for the two Canadians. And besides, they never had heard, remember, of Julie and Lolly. So to them, they're thinking this is harmless. Yeah, it's an isolated incident. Right. Suddenly, Yvonne was forced off the road and off her bike by a man driving a truck. No way. Yeah. Oh, man. So he became extremely angry. He threw a soda can at her, grabbed her at her chest, and screamed profanities. Are you kidding? Mm-mm. Sounds crazy. Now, the man got out and tried to wrestle her into his truck, but she threw her water bottle at him and used her bike as a blocking device. Now, Yvonne told authorities that the vehicle came so close that she could actually feel the heat of the engine. Yvonne was able to fight off the assailant and she ended up taking cover behind a tree as the man re-entered his truck and tried numerous times to then run her over. This sounds awful. I mean, I can't imagine feeling like being chased down by a truck while you're in a bike. That's Mm -hmm. just crazy. I know. Now, he eventually gave up and he sped away. Now, the first motorist to appear was a ranger with a mobile phone who quickly sent out the description of the man and park rangers quickly apprehended the attacker. Oh, wow. Now, this attacker was later identified as Daryl David Rice as he was attempting to leave the park. You might be wondering, okay, so who is this Yvonne person and what do they have to do with, you know, Julie and Lolly? But we'll get there. And who is this Daryl David Rice, right? Well, one, I know Yvonne seems like, wow, what a badass that she was able to fend this guy off with her bike. Mm -hmm. And this other guy just seems insane. Right. right? Now, later, when investigators searched Daryl's vehicle, they found hand and leg restraints hidden inside. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he had changed his clothes and reattached the license plate that he had actually removed while stalking Yvonne. Now, the attacker was stomped within 
site of the Swift Run Gap exit, which actually offered him an easy exit. Mm -hmm. Now, Yvonne was able to identify her assailant who was arrested and taken into custody. Now, let me tell you who Daryl David Rice was. Daryl was in his late 20s and at the time he was living in Columbia, Maryland. And Daryl was single with no children. And although he had no previous criminal record, Daryl was fired from his job at Maryland's MCI System House in June of 1997 mm -hmm. because he was extremely hostile at work. No kidding. It sounds like it based mm -hmm. on the description on that. How he attacked Yvonne, right? Yeah, exactly. Now, Daryl's former co-workers told investigators that he yelled sexual and other profanities at them. He also punched a hole in the wall in the men's bathroom. He stole their lunches and he would bump into them so that they'll spill their coffee. He even took down a picture of another co-worker and threw it in the trash. <laughs> like, this guy is just an ass. That sounds crazy. Right? Can you imagine like dealing with that? How uncomfortable and ugh, angry you'd probably be? It's ridiculous. Yeah, you'd probably hate that guy. You know, right. he, he's purposely bumping into you so he can spill your coffee, you and know? Stealing my lunch. Oh, I'd be pissed. <laughs> You would be. It reminds me of the episode of Friends when, he, when he, they eat Ross's sandwich. Yeah, this is him. Yeah. In 1998, Daryl pleaded guilty to the attempted abduction of Yvonne. And he was sentenced to 135 months in a Pittsburgh, Virginia federal penitentiary. Interviews after his arrest led prosecutors to believe that Daryl may have been involved with Julie and Lolly's murders. That's okay. interesting. Because you'd think, like, this guy is so angry. And if he mm -hmm. did that once... To Yvonne. To right? Yvonne. Like, caught, got caught doing it. Mm -hmm. That can't be the only victim. Right. I can't picture that at all. Right. Now, he became a possible suspect for a variety of reasons, including the geographic location, obviously, mm -hmm. the predatory behavior exhibited, and the exclusive selection of the female victim. Okay. Video surveillance also showed Daryl entering the park at Front Royal at 8.05 p.m. on May 25th. And again at Rockfish Gap at 4.57 p.m. on May 26th. Okay. Now, he returned with his friends on June 1st. Now, Daryl denied that he was, in the, he was in the park on May 25th and May 26th, but he did admit that he was there on June 1st. Which, remember, June 1st is when they found the bodies of Julie and Lolly, which means mm. he possibly could have been there to commit the murders. This is all circumstantial evidence, but with this in hand, on April 10th, 2001, Attorney General John Ashcroft announced the indictment of Daryl David Rice in the murder of Julie Williams and Lolly Winans. Okay? Wow. Now... In a news conference announcing Daryl's indictment, prosecutors alleged that, and I quote, Daryl has stated on several occasions that he enjoys assaulting women because they are, in his words, more vulnerable than men. Hmm. Additionally, prosecutors stated that Daryl had actually said that the two women, Julie and Lolly, had deserved to die because they were gay. Are you kidding? Mm -mm. What an idiot. I wish I was. What an idiot. Yeah. 
Now, in 1999, the FBI placed an undercover agent with Daryl at the Federal Correction Center in Petersburg and taped their conversations, okay? Now, in one conversation, Daryl admitted that he has only engaged in two sexual relationships with women and that the last one had occurred in 1991. He was 31 at the time and Daryl also allegedly stated on the tape that he was inadequate sexually and that he couldn't find a girlfriend and that he substituted pornography for sexual relationships. Hmm. So this is all kind of like the information that, you know, the FBI was looking for. Yeah. Now, Daryl was charged with four counts of capital murder, two of which alleged that he selected his victims because of their sexual orientation. Mm -hmm. Now, because he was charged with a hate crime, his indictment invoked a federal sentencing enhancement, meaning that he could receive the death penalty. Wow. But he was never sentenced. Oh, my God. Why? Now, prosecutors spend years building the case against Daryl, but they lacked forensic evidence. Mm -hmm. Then, in October of 2003, a hair found at the crime scene was tested. Now, DNA results indicated that it did not match Daryl or the victims. Really? Before, on October 2003, the only DNA prosecutors had was mitochondrial DNA from the cloth ligatures. Now, Mitochondrial DNA can determine the person's sex, in this case, male, Mm -hmm. but it cannot produce a specific profile. Oh, I see. In October, however, prosecutors learned that an additional hair had been discovered on the duct tape used to bind Lolly's wrist, which was then subject to a new type of DNA test called YSTR. Now, because of this DNA testing, it showed that there was a good chance that Daryl David Rice was not the source of the DNA. Mm-hmm. Now, the only evidence that's left was circumstantial evidence, and the defense was prepared to dispute each aspect of the government's case, obviously, right? Because yeah, at this point, they don't have anything. And that's tough, because you say that, but it doesn't prove that it wasn't him, but it also doesn't prove that it was him, right? Wait. Seeing a hair on a piece of duct tape, you never know. Right. In their February 19th motion, Daryl's attorneys charge prosecutorial misconduct and argue that in addition to the DNA results, there were other four major problems with the government's case. Okay. Those other four major problems were the statements allegedly made by a couple camping in the park the night the women were murdered. A call that Daryl made to a gay rights center in California on May 28th and an audio tape submitted by the government to support their claim that Daryl hated gays and alleged attempts by government investigators to manipulate or pressure witnesses who saw the women in the park. Okay. Now they're getting ready. They're saying because of all these reasons, Mm -hmm. you know, they're going to, they're going to fight this right now. After that, the case started falling apart. And on February 25th, 2004, Judge Moon dismissed the charges against Daryl David Rice without prejudice, meaning he could still be charged at a later date. Oh, interesting. That's what that means. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Now, Daryl also faced suspicion in the death of Alicia Show Walter Reynolds, but he was never charged in that case either. Now, 
On March 2nd, 1996, at around 7.30 a.m., Alicia said goodbye to her husband and got in her car. She was driving from Baltimore to Charlottesville, about 155 miles, and she was on her way to go shop with her mother, Sadie. Mm-hmm. Now, Alicia, who was at the time a John Hopkins University graduate student, never arrived at her destination. Oh, no. Now, when too much time had passed, Sadie called Alicia's husband, Mark. And soon after, Alicia's car was discovered near Culpeper County. And it was on the shoulder of the southbound highway. Now, apparently, somebody had placed a white napkin on the car to indicate that she had car trouble. Hmm. Now, did you know that was the thing? No, I had no idea. I know you have a little sign that says call 911 help. I did. I did have a sign. (laughs) I grew it up as a kid. My first car had a little sign that had emergency, call 911. (laughs) I never used it. Okay. But you did make fun of me. Yes, I did. But upon inspection of the car, there was nothing wrong with the car. So on May 15, Alicia's remains were found outside of Lignum, about 15 miles from the location where her car was found. Hmm. Now, investigators did not reveal how she died, but they did say she likely was murdered the day she was abducted. Now, because the murder of Julian Lolly is still an active investigation, the FBI will not discuss persons of interest. No one has been convicted of the murders, and Daryl David Rice was originally due to be released from the Federal Transfer Center in Oklahoma City on July 17, 2007. Now, that has been the end of that anybody has heard of Daryl David Rice. Okay. Okay. But another man, Richard Evanet, has been considered a suspect in the Shenandoah National Park murders. Now, unfortunately, he died by suicide in 2002 after police connected him to three other murders. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. But forensic evidence has not confirmed Richard's potential involvement in the case. In the years that followed the discovery of the women's bodies, the National Park Service and the FBI joined forces to conduct a national-wide search for their killer, including following up on an estimated 15,000 leads. Man, that's a lot. But get this. To this day, the case remains unsolved. Man. So if you have any information about this case, please contact your local FBI office or send tips to www.tips.fbi.gov. You know, I find it really kind of puzzling how they cannot find or accuse anybody for this. I mean, really, it's a huge national park. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And but maybe that is the issue. The amount yeah, of people, you're right. you know, you're right. And again, remember, they failed to announce the the double murder. Mm-hmm. So people think about how gone. many people probably travel just to hike those trails. Yeah, exactly. By then, they were long gone. They never even knew that something like that happened while they were there. Yeah, potentially. You said it was Memorial Day weekend, right? The day after Memorial Day weekend, yeah. yeah. So pretty much, okay, you come, now it's time to go to probably different cities, different states. So yeah, you're absolutely right. That's really tough. How long was he in jail? Because he was... Daryl? Yeah, he was set to be released in 2007. And he was released. 
he was released in 2007, but like I said, afterwards, I mean, he was really authorities didn't have anything on him. And during my research, I read that actually um, people would see Daryl David Rice mm-hmm. in, like around their neighborhood, and he wasn't doing anything wrong, but because his face was now sure, out there, his name was out there. Yeah. Um, people were actually calling authorities and authorities were just telling people, hey, we're not looking for him. So even though he was tied to these murders, Mm -hmm. we have nothing on him and he's not being looked at. Yeah. It's got to be scary for people. Imagine if you're at that park seeing him. Mm -hmm. Plus, he wasn't the nicest guy. He was just a complete (laughs) asshole. (laughs) I was surprised that you said that he had friends. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that's a really unfortunate story. And I mean, hopefully, like I said, we can get a tip out there and if you know anything Mm -hmm. please so we can get some closure right if you want to look at pictures and want more information on the cases we cover you can head over to truecrimeweeklypodcast.com you can also follow us on instagram at podcast true crime weekly and please don't forget to support the show by going to truecrimeweeklypodcast.com forward slash support the show and I would truly love it and appreciate it if you leave a five-star review and subscribe onto Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. The only way that people find out about us is through subscribers and reviews. Thanks for listening.